you're, you're, the, you're the typical older white male who's reacting. I'm not that old, by the way. But that's, <laughs> that's, 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 yeah. that's right. That was, yeah, it was great what you said. I and, look a lot um, older than I am. I have gray hair, but that's everyone else's fault. <laughs> Welcome to the Stand Firm podcast. We're happy to have you here with us. We are uh, Matt Kennedy of Church of the Good Shepherd Anglican in Binghamton, New York, J.D. Koch of Christ Church Anglican in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, and I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church in Louisville, Kentucky. We're going to be talking about Anglicanism, the Bible, uh, the gospel, the church, the Bible, the world, culture, probably the Bible again, and we're Glad to have you all with us. Um, Matt and JD, how are you guys doing today? Great. Yeah, doing great, Nick. Good to be here. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Um, the first thing that we talked about talking about today is the Anglicanism. We, we are all Anglican clergy here. The three of us all came to the ACNA out of the Episcopal Church, some of us more recently than others. Um, but that leads me to my first question. This one's for you, Matt. You wrote a post recently on Facebook about developing a theory about the new breed of ACNA clergy. My impression from that post was that you saw a difference in outlook between clergy who had come into the ACNA from the Episcopal Church and those who hadn't. And he talked about this already a little bit with Jeff Walton of the Institute on Religion and Democracy. We don't have to retread that whole conversation. Folks can find that if they'd like to. But I'm curious about what were the conversations you were having with other clergy that led you to start developing this theory? Sure. Yeah. I remember, I remember one in particular, I, I was in a conversation with a female clergy person who was, who was uh, upset because I had posted something strong. Sometimes I post strong things on the internet. Um, <laughs> I posted uh, something quite strong about sexuality and, and, and she was upset because I was engaging in, in culture war. And I said, you know, what, what, uh, culture war, you know, of course, brings up all the, the political imagery from, you know, Pat Buchanan and, and the 80s. And I thought, wait, this is, this is not culture war. She says, yes, it is. You're, you're, you're mouthing the, the, the slogans of the right. Um, right. Or something along those lines. And I said, I'm, I'm not talking about politics here. I'm talking about the theological issue at stake, the, 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 the reason why we left the Episcopal Church. That's right. And and she's well. No, it, it, you. It, it sounds from the outside. It sounds to me like you are just. She didn't say it in these words, but I'm kind of paraphrasing. You're you're the you're the typical older white male who's reacting. Um, and I'm not that old, by the way. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's yeah. That's right. That was yeah. It was great what she said. I and, look a lot um, older than I am. I have gray hair, but that's everyone else's fault. <laughs> um, so so uh, so anyway, that that got me to thinking. I I I I've, I've been reading a lot of things that have been posted by I I'm trying to find a different age range here. I'm, I'm saying thirty somethings, but but they tend to be people who come into the ACNA. Uh, after having not been in the Episcopal Church at all, they're coming out of places like Wheaton. Yep. Um, they're Moody. coming out of right, and they're and they're and they're thinking the ACNA is a really interesting place because they have liturgy, which they've never experienced before. They have, right. they have a, a depth of intellectual uh, history, a depth of, of of tradition that's not maybe wasn't present in their non-denominational 
evangelical church growing up or their friend in the middle church growing up. Yeah, four um, part harmony in the songs, you yeah, know, um, exactly. just not C, G and D. That's exactly. And it, no, you know, we saw Nick and I, you know, Nick and I saw this all the time, which we were, we were serving Episcopal Church in Louisville, Kentucky, where the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is. And we have a lot of, a lot of friends at that seminary, but there were a number of people we could always tell they would come by and they'd start, you know, sort of kicking around um, our church because they heard that we were uh, more theolo theologically orthodox, so it was safe to visit. And to a right. person, the way that they explained their interest in our church would 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 give us, would indicate to us whether or not they would stick around very long, you know, because as soon mm -hmm. as they said, well, we came because, you know, we were drawn into the mystery and this, you know, the, the via media, the middle way. And we, you know, and we want to talk style. about your theology of beauty. As soon as I <laughs> yeah. heard the yeah. phrase theology of beauty, I knew that they had never had <laughs> okay. to fight about the gospel. That's right. That's right. And I keep pointing out to people even here that, you know, the Jerusalem Declaration, which I'm so grateful is in our prayer book, you know, which is, which I pointed out to people has been elevated out of historical document uh, status even, and is, is by and large something we can be, we can be uh, judged against, you know, the three great points of that, um, you know, the uniqueness of Christ, the, um, the authority of scripture, and then the purpose and work of God's design in human sexuality, like these are the reasons this church exists. And so if you're not, if, if we're, we're sort of fuzzy on those three areas, then, then you're not going to understand anything about, about where we've come from or, or hopefully where we're going. And I think that's what right. you're lamenting, Matt. I mean, yeah, well, I, and I, I think a lot of these guys are all already, you know, we, we, we all probably experience people coming to the ACNA headed either to the Bosphorus to become Eastern Orthodox right. or to become Roman Catholic. And the ACNA is kind of this way station. For them, I, I, we, I, we all, if you've been an Anglican clergyman for any length of time, you're used to seeing this. But it does seem like this new crowd is is not doing that. They're they're coming in, but they're on a they're on a a journey toward theological liberalism, and an ACNA may not be a waypoint. It may be the destination, and that's 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 my worry. Is it is it there there there's this drift that's reminiscent of the emerging church. Yes, was, yes, yes, very, very much, much so. like it. The people who are in this say the same kinds of things, are looking for the same kinds of things. Um, and um, and we, we all know where that ends. I mean, the emergent church is submerged quite a long time ago. Right, right. Because there's nothing, there's no there there. Um, there's a lot yeah, of I mean, lowercase letters, though. Yeah, that's, that's, right, right. that's right. That's right. No, it's, it's definitely the case. And I think that, that you know, this is, this is the, the problem that I've been involved in ever since I joined the Episcopal Church, now Anglican, is that I was introduced to it um, theologically. Like, that was how it was presented to me. It was presented to me as a, as a theological vehicle whereby the gospel was preserved through the liturgy and the Bible was the sole sufficient uh, means of authority. And that was, that was, that was compelling to me. That was, that was a profound life-changing introduction. So when I got into the actual uh, workings of the church and in particular, even at seminary where Nick and I went to seminary was a very, you know, was sort of the evangelical seminary of the Episcopal church. And even there, there was this sort of reticence to actually uh, land the plane on any sort mm -hmm. of points of theological distinction. You know, Luther famously said in, in the bondage of the will that the theology is nothing less or nothing more than making distinctions. Like it's A is not right. both A and non-A, you know, things like this. And yet, because there was this sort of, this kind of uh, blunt force sort of like, I don't know, compassion mob, I've right. called it, or some sort of uh, tone police, you know, that it was any sort of disagreement, much less a, a substantive one, was considered to be, um, you know, anti-Christian or mean or, 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 right. or, you know, and so that has, that has, in my 
estimation has suffused the at least the, the dialogue at ACNA. And Matt, you bear the brunt of a lot of this because you do you do speak directly. And 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 I have appreciated when you have been quick to um, to you know to to receive you know correction when necessary. And and you know, but I also appreciate when you say, well, look, what I said was not in any way offensive. It just was it was a disagreement, and the existence of the disagreement does not constitute an offense. You know, and I think I think that this is the the water within which we're swimming, and it is it is a very um, it's a very uh, fertile uh, place to allow for sort of theological liberalism to flourish. Really, I think um, because yeah. if if the end if the end game is to be nice and to have sort of a, a sort of a, a tone of of reconciliation about you, then then what happens is you can say something provocative. Um, and then the moment someone pushes back on you at all, you can shut down the entire conversation by by throwing up your hands and saying, "Why are you being so mean?" Right. It's it's argument argument by emotion. I I I, I feel hurt, therefore you're wrong. <laughs> and there's, yeah. There's a that's 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 pervasive in in this area. And you know, you know, a very a very prominent ACNA uh, person. We were again talking about uh, sexuality, and and she says, "Well, you know." Um, we've got to be careful because we don't want to, you know, turn people off from from who are, who might be interested in uh, in the ACNA if they think that we're really strong on this point. That's 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 not a selling that's not a selling point. And I I thought you know that that's kind of that's telling. I, I, you hear a lot of that speech. If if we don't if we don't rebrand ourselves or or remarket ourselves as more open to the maybe the leftward kind of dialogue that we see around race and sexuality uh then we're going to be a big turnoff right and it's salesmanship language right? yeah like, yeah it is and, and i think it betrays a real soteriological problem in, in on the part of those who think like that because they really think that getting people to believe in Jesus is, has a lot to do with how attractive the church is. That's right. Well, this That's is right. why we don't trust salesmen, right? right. Like, <laughs> exactly. we, we assume that they have this ulterior motive. This is something that I'm sure we've all had people suggest we do in our churches, which is have a community event at which we do not talk about Jesus. We yep. do not talk about sin. We have <laughs> some completely innocuous event that we invite, quote, the community to, and then they'll see how nice we are and they'll eventually come to church. Right. Yeah. And that I've used, literally never happened. I've used that as a sermon illustration because all that happens, like, we, we, when you do that, if you, if you preach the gospel but not use words, the only, <laughs> the only, thing, the gospel. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that happens is the, the guy comes away or the woman comes away you, who you've helped say, thinking, wow, you know, Matt, that's a really great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Matt's wonderful. Matt is so nice, yeah. and that feels good for Matt. I <laughs> feel great, but that has nothing to do with Jesus. And, and you- yeah, and I think we've, you know, this has been what's so funny is that 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 we've grown up in, you know, what they're going to call have called this, you know, the seeker sensitive uh, church welcoming, movement, you know, yeah. and you know, this looked a certain way in sort of quote unquote more evangelical conservative churches, and that they, you know, that they they you know, got rid of all of the liturgy, got rid of everything, sort of stayed, stayed sort of 
and broad brush conservative, but was, was, you know, it's like that, that joke about, um, you can't tell if it's a nightclub or a church by its name, you know, it's like, you know, the happy place. It's like, well, what is that exactly? <laughs> or, you know, or, or, um, you know, explosion zone. You're like, huh, I don't know what that is, but, but, you know, but from the, but the Episcopal church did it's the same thing though. I mean, the church yeah. we came out of, they just decided right. to go more leftward, but they, they tried every single thing, you know, I, Nick and I would often joke. It's like every single possible um, cutting edge sort of, you know, what are the young yeah. kids reading and thinking, you know, what are they dancing to these days? Every single thing that they could possibly do, every possible pin and flag you could fly, right. they did. And people evacuated that church like it was on fire, you know? I mean, do you see that funny uh, Babylon B? It's like COVID uh, attendance at uh, Episcopal Church has shown no decrease in uh, attendance during the yeah, COVID that was epidemic. Awesome. <laughs> that, was awesome. that was funny, but but see that was our, so that was always my my problem because we often got or at least I often got questioned when I was a rector of an Episcopal Church. You know, if uh, my son or my grandchild is not coming to the church because of X Y Z position you have, which is you know happen to be historic Christian positions on on any manner of things, you know, not the least of which human identity and sexuality. And I said, well, you know, then there are 99 other churches in the state. Uh, there's 100 Episcopal churches. There's 99 other that are more than happy uh, to to embrace the, the the deeply held theological beliefs of your nephew. Um, so I hope that he can he at least can worship there. But of course, he wasn't worshiping there, um, and no one else was either, by and large, because, well, because he's not a Christian, and that's the real problem. Well, I mean, that's the that's the hard part. Is that I mean, it's like John six. Remember when Jesus starts teaching the implications of his actual discipleship? You know, this is my blood. This is my body. Like this is not just. Uh, uh, bread and circuses sort of thing and it says that his many of his disciples left because it was a hard teaching you know and then he turns to peter and says are you going to leave too and what does peter say you know where else am i going to go you have the words of eternal life like that's the type converted heart that um that yeah. can put up with sort of the a little bit of opprobrium from your nephew at thanksgiving because of your supposed backwards beliefs on things when you actually know your risen lord and savior you know i mean and that's what I think that's what is being lost in the horizontal, totally horizontal evangelism methods of the seeker-sensitive um, church movement, whether it's progressive, you know, all that the Episcopal Church and the sort of some of these people in ACNA want to do is turn the, turn like the seeker-sensitive movement just sort of more, so, quote-unquote, sophisticated, you know, like right. we have, we, we have, a, you know, history and, and chanted liturgy but we're we're at the you know scratch deep enough and we're basically arguing the same thing is that we have nicer people over here than those meanies you left back at the um you know your fundamentalist bible college right whatever. but i mean you're you know and, and social justice is definitely being leveraged for that i mean that's that's the it's it, it i remember seeing um this are you you guys are familiar with university aren't you Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, which graduate. yeah, it's generally a, a great pro, a great group of people, and uh, we have a, a Binghamton University chapter here, which is wonderful. No, no, but but there was I remember going to one event, and there was one speaker who I don't think this person was associated with university, but um, but the speaker was was saying you know it had to do with clean water around the world, which is a great cause, um, and and he was using that issue to leverage into a proclamation of the gospel, and and he said. Um, Jesus really wants to change the world and and he wants you to co-partner with him or partner with him in, in changing the world. So my my message to you is why don't you join Jesus and change the world together with him? And you know, a lot of people were really I was looking around the room, 
a lot of college students, a lot of them were like, yeah, yeah, I want to be Jesus's co-pilot here and go and, right. and, and, and change the world. But there was, there was very little about sin. I'll, I'll take that back. There was, you know, the sin of the people who are, you know, hoarding stuff. But not your sin that you personally need to repent of. And, Which is and actually can, what changes the world. Like, any, <laughs> like an actual redeemed sinner is the building block for the new, for the kingdom of God. Not, not exactly. your, I mean, that's what, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's but, the, the, the difficulty. I was trying to think about this, Matt, and I was saying this would be a, could be something uh, we could get Anne with her literary talents on. It's like, try to rewrite the Apostle Paul, like write an epistle, a modern epistle, if we thought the Apostle Paul cared about all of the, sort of, uh, you know, social justice concerns. Can you imagine like a sermon to the Scythians, the barbarians, the Cretes, yeah. like, you know, sitting down and being like, you know, actually all of you are still Jews and Greeks. Uh, right. There are men and women and people who consider themselves. We need, we need Scythian places. Where because... That's right, that's right. And I, you know, I owe all of you uh, everything because I was, one. I mean, you just couldn't, you just, you, it'd be mind blowing. And I think that, you know, there's just such a cancer, such a, a, uh, I mean, this is what Galatians was about. Like, sorry, you know, apologies to N.T. Wright about sim simply being about a table fellowship, you know, but Galatians was about the idea that you could have some shred of self-righteousness before a holy God that you could stand on in your own two feet. And as Paul himself said, if Christ, if righteousness could come by the law, then Christ died for nothing. Well, you could just say if, if righteousness had come by giving water to the people who need it, which of course they do. But but if you can stand on that in some way, shape or form, which is what we're seeing in all of these insidious um, sort of law-based um, self-righteous um, uh, interactions in the church, well then it's not surprising that, that the idea of personal sin, personal conversion and ultimately right. um, uh, goes by the wayside. And I think that's that's the danger. It's that, interesting that, that you, you mentioned, you know, the, the misuse of the law. It, the, usually when we think of legalists, we think of you know, the fundamentalists out there who are talking about how, you know, how, what, what length is your skirt or did you go see that rated R movie, right? That's, that's usually what we think of the, as, as legalists. But I mean, the same kind of thing goes on with, hey, are you using that plastic bag instead of... For sure. I mean, that you're, uh, the left, the evangelical left in particular is now you know, leveraging the language of social justice, of critical race theory and critical theory and just piling law right. upon law upon law upon law. And if you don't obey that law, you're white supremacist, that's you're right. racist, that's right. you're, I mean, so there's, a, there's, there's that's the problem with, um, and I don't, I'm not limiting this to just critical theory or critical race theory. That's the problem with the, the social justice movement in general. It begins to create a new gospel. That's, where, that's where, right, I was, that's right. And which is not a gospel. Which St. Paul would say is not a gospel. About this, Right. I was thinking about this the other day because we're we're teaching through the thirty nine articles, or so I am, and you know Article six on the authority of Scripture and Article twenty on the limits of the authority of the church. Like these these were incredibly freeing, because what it did was it cut away all of the the accretions that the medieval Catholic system in particular had had developed over the centuries, for all of these extra biblical ways to make you feel guilty. And I was struck by that in light of this like our current situation because I feel like pastors of all people need to be going around radically absolving people of things that they feel guilty about that they should not you know i mean you you might you know america has a race history problem it's a blight on our history it's you know it's something that we god has brought us through there are there are systemic uh, injustices that need to be addressed yes 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 but you personally need to root out in your own heart to the extent that you feel 
uh, complicit, confess and be absolved and be raised right. to new life and, and cleaned of this. You know, absolution is work. possible. It's what we preach, right. the possibility I'm, of absolution. I'm right now in a conversation with an ACNA person, clergy person who, who's throwing around the term white supremacy. And, and I pressed her on it. What do you, what do you mean by that? Because you, the, the, the English language has a term. We, we use white supremacy to refer to someone who joins the KKK or who- Yeah, skinhead or who, like who, a- Yeah, who actually believes that the white people are superior to other people. What do you mean by it? And she said, well, I think people who are apathetic to the needs of, of, of a society rent by systemic injustice and who aren't willing to listen to the voices of those who are hurt by that. And I say, wait a minute. So, so if someone just doesn't you know, jump on the political, ideological, theological, uh, social justice bandwagon that you're, you're pulling along here, that's that person's white supremacist. <laughs> it's, right. That's wow. That, yeah. It's, it's not just that that person doesn't agree with maybe the remedy that you're putting forward to deal with the, the, the reality of racism. It's, it's no, it, it, there's a moral component to the disagreement. That person, right. that person is a racist That's white right. supremacist. And I think, you know, I think there's a couple of things about this. I, I've been thinking a lot about this. I just bought the, um, like the, the critical race theory um, textbook that's being used in various college campuses. So I'm interested to dig into that. But, you know, I think that there's, there's two parallel things going on. I think that there's a, as it were, a coramundo, you know, before people uh, conversation that, that may be fruitful with respect to systemic racism and injustice and, you know, the disparity of incarceration rates. I mean, these are interesting conversations. And I think that, you know, having grown up in the deep South, like the history of Jim Crow and segregation, and I mean, these are, it's not an entirely spurious or fruitless conversation, no. I think. But I do think that when it's baptized and brought into the um, confession of sin, uh, you know, into the into the, the the church as a as a constitutive part of the gospel. I think that's where we see yeah, yeah. the 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 cancer really uh, uh, growing. Because you know, if anything, the church should be a, a, a so we're a safe place where, as Galatians three twenty eight actually does say, there's no Jew or Greek, slave mm-hmm. or free, male or female. Like there should be a freedom from whatever other conversation is happening in your life. There is a unity yeah. and a and a quality at the foot of the cross, and that's what's being um, that's what's being uh, threatened. You know, the, the beauty right. of that is being there's, threatened by this conversation. I think there's two things there. There's the there's a, a confusion between the consequences of the gospel and the gospel. They, they conflate those two things. So, uh, yeah, yes, if once once you have been set free from sin and death, and your your heart's been changed from within, there's going to be a change of life, and you're and and, and you don't. You don't consider anyone from a world's perspective anymore, and so of course that has to do that has implications for how you deal with people of other ethnicities and other places, and and that and because we're justified by by Christ alone through faith alone, of course we're going to have a unity there that's created in Christ that that supersedes any kind of thing we've had before. But that you but acting in that unity is not the gospel. Yes, acting in that right. unity is 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 an, the outflow or the or the consequence of the gospel. So, so the uh, whole idea, notion of social gospel is in itself, just in its name, uh, a misnomer. It, yeah. Yeah, that, and this has been going on for centuries. Yeah. I mean, this is nothing new. I mean, this right. is, you know, Machen said, yeah. you know, his famous book, Christianity and, and, and liberalism, you know, it wasn't an either or, I mean, it wasn't like a progressive Christian was, was an oxymoron, you know, right. to, to his way of thinking. I mean, this is where, I mean, going back to the, to the hypothetical new, uh, the social, uh, 
gospel epistle that Paul would write. I mean, can you imagine the the level of of legitimate grievances Jews and Greeks uh, would have had amongst each other, um, you know, in some of these early congregations? And yet, the mark of these congregations was unity by the power of the Spirit in in the new life in Christ. And that, despite the you know the what is the Cretans and the Scythians and the barbarians and the and the the, the Jews and the Gentiles and all of these people came together and yes their society remained incredibly fractured um, and to this day society you know mm-hmm. individual people are 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 at odds with each other because we are at enmity with God but there's one place where that enmity has been addressed and reconciliation yeah. is possible and that's church yeah. and to the extent that they're turning church into another place where we have to be afraid of each other right. and we have to judge each other on our, on our relative merits um, is, I mean, is heartbreaking. Right. I mean, can you, can you imagine if you're right? I think it's a really good thought experiment because if, if Paul were woke, you know, walking into Corinth or, or, or walking into, um, uh, the I see you plant. worship many gods. That's yeah. awesome. Or say, look, you, <laughs> Hey, you know, um, I want I want you 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 Gentiles to to come to get together in a group and just talk about all the ways that Jews have hurt you over the last you know, right. several centuries and, and Jews you guys do the same and then I want you to air the grievances and there should be some time of repentance on both sides for the generational sins your fathers have committed against each other and um, that's right and then you know you, you but you're never really going to get over it because that's just how you've been raised so you're always going to have these differences so there should be spaces for. Uh, Jews to get together and spaces for Gentiles to get together. So you don't have to intermix all the time. Um, That's right. And the churches had to have a very specific ethno uh, ethnic makeup, you know, or else they weren't fully representative of the gospel in some way, shape or form. And then of course the question is, well, what, what percentage are you asking for? You know, is it, is it 20%? Is it, you know, 70% proportion? Is it, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a never, I mean, this is what, this is what the curse of the law is. Like if you allow it in, you are judged by all of it. That's what Galatians is over. If right. you you who say you want to follow the law, you know that that you are condemned by all of it. You can't just pick a little bit of it and say, um, you know, I want just a little bit of my justification to be that I'm a man, you know, or I'm a woman, or I'm a Greek or a Jew, like because then that will just unravel, and all of a sudden you'll be condemned by all of it because it's never ending. I mean, that was the whole fight about what seemingly such a small thing about circumcision. You know, um, and Paul flipped his lid over it because he said, if you start down this road, then Christ died for nothing. And I think that's the that's the fear. And I think it's a right fear. And I think I'm, I'm happy that people are pushing back on it. And I know that we all have to make qualifications, you know, um, you know, now, I mean, the qualifications that we have to make are so unbelievable, you know, to, to, to my ears, you know, now, listen, I'm not a white supremacist, but, or, you know, like, I don't think that people should be mowed down in the streets, you know, so I mean, you're like, I mean, it's like with the whole COVID discussion, like, now, listen, I love my grandparents, you know, like, I don't want all people, old people to die. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, the type of qualifications we have to make are, are unbelievable, but but at the very least we make them, you know, I mean, you have to. And so hopefully that will suffice. Is the ACNA then with these sort of potentially two or even more groups of people coming into it, is the ACNA one of those things which can be whatever you make of it? Or is the ACNA something? Is, is there an Anglican identity that exists? Is it in the Third Nine Articles? Is it in the Jerusalem Declaration? Is it in the formularies? Or is Anglicanism something that is moldable from or by whoever comes to it? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, the, the, the classic answer is that Anglicanism is de- de- defined by the formularies, the prayer book, 
the the articles, um, the ordinal, and uh, to some extent the homilies. And I think that's I think that's essentially where we have to come down. Yes. The the to be ang- that is that is the that is the way Anglicanism has been defined and understood since since the Reformation. Is that and the broad tent that I hear it referred to? It it it, it, it I think it's broad in some. Here, me, it's big and an important subject. I think it's broad in some ways. It's broad and it's broad in the sense that if you read the articles and compare them to the say the Westminster Confession or right. to yeah. some other Reformed confessions, they're very bare bones, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not they're not uh, detailed, um, and and they they allow for say arguments between people who come from a more uh, reform perspective with those who come from a more Lutheran perspective. You get, you can have arguments of those sorts right. without having to divide because there's, there's latitude there. It's also, I think, uh, it's also, I think, liturgically speaking, far more uh, broad than you would find in Presbyterian circles because most yes. Presbyterians and reform people are, are uh, reform, regulative principle people who believe you can't do anything right. in the church without having a direct prescription. Um, whereas we're not that way. We're more like the Lutherans. We're normative, you know, Hey, uh, yes. there's lots of freedom in expression. Yeah. Of if worship it's not, if it's not expressly prohibited, then you can do it. Right. It's, exactly. Exactly. Now, I mean, of course there's limits to it. I mean, you don't have dancing bears and elephants and all that kind of thing, but, but, <laughs> but there's a, but there are, yeah, it, we're normative principles. So that gives a wide latitude for expression, uh, liturgical expression as well as, as some theological debate. But there are those who say, look at the Oxford movement in, um, in the 19th century, or so the 18th century, and they say, no, look, see this, that, that kind of undid the, the necessity of having the articles be the, the ground and foundation. Yeah, but you want to point to Newman him, himself and say, if you have any, if you're actually intellectually honest, you like him would realize that it was a fool's errand to try to reconcile um, your your sort of Anglo-Catholicism with the 39 Articles, and he left. I mean, he left. He, he finally he finally right. left. And I think right. what I've been encouraged by the ACNA, and this is this is goes back to the to the to the seeming shock of some of the people coming into it, is that we have elevated. The 1662, in all of its, you know, lex orandi, lex credendi, the law of praying is the law of believing, um, as the, the standard book by which our sort of theology can be judged. And so the 1662 is a compromised book in a certain sense, because it's not Puritan. You know, they had been tired right. of fighting. Uh, the, the, the English were tired of fighting, but it certainly, certainly is Protestant, 100%. And, okay. And and when you combine that with the 39 Articles and the Jerusalem Declaration and the, the even the fundamental declaration of the ACNA as a province, you have an incredibly uh, rich and multi-layered and historically robust uh, statement of a of a Protestant church, you, without question. And so when I've used that to point out to people who come into the church and even that have been ordained in the church that like, you know, for instance, we have an article on the uh, free will, you know, we don't, we have an article on, on uh, predestination. We have an article on the authority of scripture. We have all these, these, these articles that seem to be, um, you know, reminiscent to some ears of their kind of fundamentalist Baptist past or whatever. And it's like a, and, and they're already ordained, you know, they're like, they're like working with me alongside me in this ACNA church. And I want to say, you know, I want to lay the blame at the, at the seminaries, whoever formed them, 
at the bishops, whoever, whoever let them in, you know, and, and some of the bishops themselves, I imagine, you know, would have a variety of opinions on, on, um, on, you know, how to understand various um, sort of uh, articles, you know, and I think, I think that that's the only hope I have is that if we actually, we have adopted this prayer book, we have elevated uh, sort of the, as it were, the, the instructional rubrics within it, um, you know, what they call the documentary foundations of the church. And, um, and I think that, that's my hope is if we could just double down on on expositing those even if we like you said matt come to different opinion of how to understand them at the very least we will still be within within the bounds of the broad tent and that's my hope i don't know if that's naive but that's what i'm working towards so it's broad in some ways narrow in others but it sounds to me like both of you are arguing that there is a constitutive anglicanism that is not just like a tube of Plato that anybody can just form into whatever they want it to be. Well, I mean, I think that it has been tried, you know, and this has been, this is the great experiment. I mean, Anglicanism is, is, is an experiment um, in, you know, sort of uh, in, in communion worship, you know, like we have, we have, we we don't have a Pope, we don't have a, um, you know, we don't have a hard and fast, um, you know, clearly enumerated confession whereby we can be, you know, brought up on charges necessarily, you know, we, we do have some, some leeway, but I think that, that fundamentally, uh, the, the, the bones are there. And if we could, you know, work the, the work within, um, those that have been sort of hewn out for us over centuries, I think that we could come to a much more sort of happy consensus than, than, than the not. I mean, that's my, that's what I'm working towards, at least, you know, I mean, that's why I teach the prayer book, um, not as the scripture, but as an expositor of scripture, you know, teach the Bible, um, try to be, you know, as Hooker said, scripture, tradition, and reason, you know, this is, this is what the Bible says fundamentally. This is how the church has, has um, understood it throughout each generation. And let's, let's take our, our um, common, you know, um, enlightened minds um, through the lens of scripture to apply this to our current 21st century lives. And I think, um, you know, I think that the, the prayer book and the articles and the, the various creeds and the documentary foundations and the, the uh, you know, even the catechism in the, in the prayer book, I think these are all tools that will prohibit or at least protect us from sort of seemingly reinventing the wheel each and every generation of Anglican life. I mean, that seems to be the, 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 the fight that we had and the one that we are um, continuing to perpetuate within the ACNA, but it's a it's a worthy it's a worthy fight. I mean, it doesn't have to be bloody and it doesn't have to be um, ill-tempered. But I think it's a you know back to Luther. I mean, I think the work of theology, in particular the presbyters, people given to lead the church, is to is to um, you know study the scriptures, uh, continue to be normed by them, continue to um, help share in the sort of constructive realities amongst each other of, of better and worse practices, and ultimately uh, walk in the same direction together. I mean, that's that's the hope. And so I think um, you know as unpleasant as disagreement is at times, I think that it's a necessary uh, reality for a healthy church that continues, you know, what is it, Semper Reformanda, you know, always reforming, you know, this is, this is the hope, um, of the ACNA, at least for the one that I'm hoping, the one I'm holding up, um, as I try to get people to join, join along with us. I did want to add, you know, I, uh, I do value my Anglo-Catholic friends who are in the ACNA and I don't want to, but when I say, I think that the, the, uh, the Tractarian movement 
knock this off base a bit. Uh, I don't mean to say go away. I do mean to right, say reform, right. but, but I don't mean to say go away. So either that's, that's a, that's a, that's, that's going to be, that's a, a fight that's been going on for, you know, sure. Century now, and it's going to continue or centuries now. And it's going to continue. Um, but, uh, I do think, I do think there was a, a shift away from what Anglicanism was, was, and ought to be beginning there. And I think, and I think the broad church movement picked up from that. And I think the, the, the liberal church movement was another kind of, well, we don't have to be bound by the articles. We don't have to be bound by the, by the formularies anymore. We can right. be what we want to be. So. Yeah. And I agree with you. I mean, I have a lot of, I'm going to, uh, to qualify all this. I have a lot of Anglo Catholics. <laughs> I'm glad that they're in the church. Um, but I, my, my appeal since the beginning is that there are, there are various ways of having a consistent Anglican identity that can exist. However, difficultly, uh, under one tent. They can exist, but the, to the extent that they are sort of owned, acknowledged, and seen as distinct, um, I think that's that's to the betterment of the church, like as opposed to this um, sort of muddy middle ground where it's, it's, it's impossible to actually assert any legitimate differences for fear of being labeled divisive and, and um, sort of contrarian. And that's just, that has produced this brittle, this incredibly brittle conversation that we're having amongst uh, various ACNA people, which is, you know, it's, it's all of these hard statements that the moment they're pushed back on, it just, the whole conversation crumbles down into like a, a sobbing mess, you know, and that's just not healthy. And I think, I think, you know, to the extent that we can add to that conversation and be, be gracious, you know, as Paul, as Peter says, you know, all gentleness and humility, be prepared with a ready defense for the hope that you have. Well, here's the hope that I have for the ACNA in my own church, for my own family, in my own life, for this, this, you know, this, this 70 plus years, I get to be a part of this church. Um, and, and that's what I believe. And so you may disagree with me. Um, we can discuss about it, but let's, let's at least have the discussion so that we can work towards, towards, um, you know, bringing more people to the knowledge and love of the Lord. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate hope. Well, that's all the time we have this week. We are uh, excited to keep talking. Um, We are Matt Kennedy, J.D. Koch. I'm Nick Lannon, and we're uh, standing firm.